Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Zach Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. (laughs) I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Monday, April 4th, kicking off National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Week, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I'm Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult survivor of brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhard, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer? Under 40? Socks, huh? Well, get busy living, because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, another one of our pre-OMG Summit walk-up patient navigation with Sharon France. She's the executive director and co-founder of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators. We love them. And Rebecca Trupp. She's VP and co-founder of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators. Fabulous guest, returning champ back to the show. And another returning champ in the Survivor Spotlight, Kelly Madigan, young adult survivor, Hodgkin's lymphoma. As a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation online at stupidcancer.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day, and we are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So hello, friends, and welcome back to yet another fun athletic Sunday romp through the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure. And survivorship is all that matters. All that matters, Matthew. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes and on Ustream streaming live. We will post that link as we broadcast from the chemo deck. Yes, we are live. Our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. 
All right, folks, our show has a live interactive chat room during each broadcast. We invite you to join in the fun, connect with our friends, ask questions of our guests, and get involved. We have a great show tonight. Really great show tonight. We do. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Matthew. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you? I love seeing you here. I love to be seen. No, I love that seeing you. That is the right I answer. Love, I love seeing you as well. That's a good answer. In your polo, Ralph Lauren, pull-up, zip-zip outfit. I, I look more and more like my father every day. Really? That's all he wears. He wears polo? Yeah. So you guys are like Ralph Lipschitz, Ralph Lauren. Yes, exactly. You're the Jews, then you you bought into the whole preppy, although, preppy although, look. guess who bought me this Ralph Lauren polo? Jessica. No, my, my father. <laughs> oh, he bought it for you yes. as well. He's like, here, you don't look like me enough. <laughs> so Wear then, this now. So now you're going to have to buy it for Kobe. Yes. Since you're all like my like infant. Triplets. Yes, my yeah. infant polo. Mini me. Polo Itos. What a, polo Itos? Polo Itos? Polox? I don't know. Can we say that? I don't care. <laughs> what a great way to start off National Young Adult yeah. Cancer Awareness Week 2011. Talking about Polox. You yeah. know, we um we have Breast Cancer Month and Colorectal yeah. Cancer Month and Cervical Cancer Month and yeah. Clowns Like Volkswagens Month. I love that. That was my favorite yes. month. And I don't know. Let's just say How about Building Sandcastles in Arkansas Month. Ooh. A landlocked state. I'm so excited yes, for that. I, that's my favorite month. That's my favorite. And we get a week. <laughs> my new favorite month. We get a goddamn week. Yeah, well. I'll take it, though. I'll sure. take it. We'll take a week. Better than an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Minute. <laughs> oh, it's over. Sorry, folks. Good night. <laughs> no, but this is really cool. Um, for our listeners out there, maybe we could uh, type this in the chat room, but we created a link to a special video that was produced this year starring... Among myself, of course, but a myriad of the all-star rock star young adult survivor advocates out there. Doug Ullman's in there. Craig Lustig's in there. Tamika Felder. Who? Who? I don't I know, know any of these people. people. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Heidi Adams is in there. Yeah. A really, really high-quality, highest-caliber, amazing. Highfalutin. Highfalutin. rock stars. Uh, the website is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, forward slash national, N- the acronym, National Young Adult Cancer Awareness, N-Y-C-A-W. So bit.ly forward slash NICAW 2011. Uh, I have to post that on my Facebook page. I know you've done it on yours. And yes. I've tweeted and all of that. And please steal my Facebook profile picture. I created a Facebook profile picture that is that URL with a celebration of NICAW 2011. And we're very happy. Thank God, because I don't think a lot of people would just want to put, you know, I mean, you have a lovely face, Matthew, but <laughs> steal my profile picture. Right. I don't know. Put this big Jewish man up on your, your profile picture on Facebook. Yeah, that's that's definitely not something I would advocate <laughs> anyone to do, unless they lost a bet. Yeah. Some kind of bet. Um, so that's exciting. And I will actually say, Matthew, you open the whole video. I do. I do. And there I do. you are, and uh, and uh, which is wonderful. I don't. The funny thing is, I was so drunk in Austin. I don't remember shooting that. So I was either really uh-huh. really drunk, or really really tired, or both. Because when I saw that, I'm like, I said that? Where I, was that you shot? Know what? I have no idea. I knew you did your best work when you were drunk. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the chairman of our board, our yes. I2Y, Dr. The, Leonard Sender. Dr. Leonard Sender. he's Sender. so svelte. He's lost so much weight. Yes. He's obviously been waiting for this close-up. Yes. He's been, uh, and now I know why he's lost all this weight and he has that nice close crop beard. Yes, he does. New glasses and nicely groomed because he knew he was having his close-up with this video. Well, he's he like, was on What Not to Wear. Did you miss that episode? <laughs> I did miss that episode. Stacey London gave him a kicking ass. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. 
my old hairdresser. Well, he's not on that show anymore. Anyway, I digress. But he's yeah, he looks like he's you know practically out of a GQ spread. Yeah, Dr. Lenny Sender, yeah. sex machine. An oncologist. Oncology spread. sex machine. <laughs> what you spread? I hope he's not listening. We still need yeah. him to be our board chair. Yeah. No, we yeah we we do Lenny. Well, no, anyway, yeah. he looks fabulous. You look fabulous. It's a very important video. It is. Uh, spread it around. Please we, do. We get a Please whole week. Do. Yes. And uh, yeah, a whole yeah. week. We'll take. I guess it. We'll take the week, folks. Sure. When we can have National Young Adult Cancer Awareness Millennium. Yeah. Then we've succeeded, and only then will we have right. succeeded. Exactly. Yeah. All right. What else is going on? So we should talk about. We've got a. We've got a bunch of things to talk about, actually. Um. You know, I wanted. We had a couple of a couple of uh, very sad passings of folks. We wanted to talk about. We we didn't get to this last week, but Kim Hill, whose uh, father was a football player, Fred Hill, and she was the inspiration behind the Ronald McDonald homes. That's she right. That's pa- right. She passed away. Uh, she was in sadly. her forties. She was in her thirties, I believe. And how old was she when she was diagnosed? She was a child. I don't remember her exact age. But it's because of her that Ronald McDonald House came into fruition. That's right. It's kind of a long story short, but yes, ultimately led to the creation of the Ronald McDonald House. Um, Did her passing, was her passing related to late effects and recurrence? Yes, it was. She had developed uh, tumors uh, from having her radiation. Right. Um, She actually had a son, though. Yeah. She had given birth, and she had had a son, and uh, unfortunately, uh, she passed away. You know, it's funny how, like, this is an opportunity for us to go on Larry King. Well, he's he's dead, but whoever, whatever the... the I don't think he's quite dead no, yet. No, the British guy that took over for Larry King. Oh, Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Yeah. So, like, this is a celebration of life that this woman lived to 44. Yeah. But it's an embarrassment that she only lived to 44. And the focus is on the fact was that she Was it exactly 44? I think it was 44. Right? I made that okay. up in my head, but I think it was 44. Yeah. That she lived, let's say, assume 40 good years that she normally would have never had, which is a blessing and fantastic. But the conversation is moving in the direction of, well, she was a little kid, and now little kids have a home when they're sick. But, you know, when little kids grow up and they're cured, they die early, and that's not okay. And we need to focus attention on why she died early, what the impact is of getting cancer as a kid and growing up to be a young adult, and what that life means in the scope of cancer advocacy. Absolutely. And you're right, she was 44. Really? Uh, Yes. Wow. Your brain does work after all. I think I get one of these. That was, yeah. I get a... Don't! That was astonishing. <laughs> <laughs> astonishing. Uh, and she did have brain cancer, said her father, Fred Hill. Right. Uh, they had learned that she had leukemia at age three, and the doctors uh, predicted that she would not reach adulthood. So she did make it to 44, and she did have a child. But, yes, to your point, this was a lot of... This was late effects. Yes, late effects. Um, this so. whole argument that when the doctor says you're cured, go home, and that's not the end of the story, that no one really understands except the people who are living it. Right. Right. So uh, to uh, to Kim Hill, pioneer, paved the way, good stuff. Absolutely. God bless. Yeah, and then another passing, very sad, just on Sunday, uh, a young woman named Mandy Schwartz, who is 23 years old and played ice hockey for the Yale College team, died of leukemia. And there Girls was play a- ice hockey? Yes, they do. I actually, I wrote a piece in the New York Times about kick-ass women in their 40s and 50s who play ice hockey locally just outside of New York on a team called the Mother Puckers. That's right. <laughs> that is awesome. It is awesome. That gets one of these. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, in fact, the, the U.S. women's Olympic team is so good, 
along with Canada's, are the only two that win gold medals, that the Olympic Committee is considering canceling ice hockey from the Olympics because we're so dominant along with Canada in the Olympics and nobody else can play. Well, would they then have to cancel basketball? Are we are we equally as dominant in basketball uh, internationally? Yeah. Women's? Women's. Probably. I, probably. I would yeah. assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in that case, we should get rid of soccer because we always lose. Yeah. Well, no. What about... Uh, we don't always lose in soccer. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Um, uh, Argentina. <laughs> what? Uh, well, the men. Okay, so Mandy Schwartz. Anyway, she was a soccer player for the Yale uh, Ice. Uh, uh, Matthew, you have me all confused now. She was an ice hockey player for it's the Yale not my fault. women's team. Everything You're just is, old. Everything's your, t- everything's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was a search on, a worldwide search for a um, a donor, uh, a bone marrow. She needed a bone marrow transplant, and there was a, a donor search, and I guess they unfortunately could not find an exact match. But the good news is, if there can be good news out of this, is that Yale University is um, opening up a donor program in her name, and I believe they're calling on people to swab them. Right. I think the first is April 21st. Well, I'm a big fan of bone marrow drives. Yeah. It's it's quick, dirty, easy, cheap. You get a cookie afterwards. Nothing. Takes nothing. Takes nothing. A little swab in the cheek, and that's it. And we we did a show on bone marrow at the the onset of the season, and we talked about how there are all these sort of stigmas and fears Right. And uh, that are untrue, and that you know people are afraid of getting picked. Yeah, like that should be the least of your problems, getting Except picked to help can, save somebody's can, life. Yeah, if you can save yeah. a life, right? Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, Mandy Schwartz, we hope that her legacy. Uh, yes. Turns out, you know, into positive things for right. folks who need bone marrow transplants going forward. Well, I want to um, just briefly touch on that. I've been on the road with uh, Kenny Kane who is in the chat room tonight, and I was on the road with uh, Anna Brower, uh, Amanda Freeman, and James Manning, who is joining us here in the studio tonight. And Amanda, always. Am- Am- uh, and James Manning is here tonight. He's right. our fabulous intern, and Amanda yeah. can't be with us tonight. Right. She's our uh, production. But we had a hell of a road trip, right, bro? Hell of a road trip. He's nodding yes. Yes, he's nodding folks yes. folks who can't yes. see. Yes. Face or radio, right? We have our Ustream link up, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, we... Uh, First of all, Kenny and I went to San Francisco for two days to attend the Web2 Expo. Really weird opportunities. We were like the hit charity of the group. Uh, thousands of people came. We gave away over 1,000 wristbands, pens, and pins. Like, they just went like wildfire. People just came in like, like vultures. But we made a lot of good contacts there, a lot of good stuff. Very exciting. Then I came home for a day. Uh, and then the next day, I drove to Boston with You mean these, a day? No, a day. I'm emphasizing the fact that it was one a day. It was that quick. Okay. It was a day. And I drove up to Boston with these clowns. We attended the I'm Too Young for This Young Adult Conference in Boston. Unrelated to us, but that's a story for another show. And uh, got to see the wonderful Sam Eisenstein of the Sam Fund. They give away tons of money every right, year on scholarships. Right. Met a lot of new Boston survivors that were really cool. Gave away a bunch of literature. And um, got to have some nice food with some good friends. And i got to tell you, a four-and-a-half-hour road trip to Boston goes very quickly with three awesome people in the car. Great. Yeah. A lot of chatting. Right. A lot of communing. But tonight's show is very special because we are here to celebrate our relationship with Spencer's Gifts. Uh, it's Spencer'sOnline.com, the novelty store to the stars of fabulousness in malls across the country. We are one of their uh, annual recipients of numerous bracelet campaigns. I think last year we got about $100,000 from them in total, which is a big deal. This year we're on track to top that. 
They do wristband uh, campaigns and sales with us and the Young Survival Coalition. And um, every year they have a contest. So um, we have two very special winners of this contest here in the studio this evening. I would like them to introduce themselves briefly. Angie, if you would. My name is Angie Horton. I'm from Owensboro, Kentucky. And I run the Spencer's store there, and I train new managers for them. And Devin? Hi, my name is Devin Carden. I'm from the store 871 in Deerbrook, about 30 miles outside of Houston. Welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show. Thank you. Not love to have you guys here. It was very nice. Yes. So um, had a little sushi with us before the show. Yes, we treated. You had a whole whirlwind New York trip so far. We have. Yes. And a shot of tequila, and we'd be a lot more fun too. Like well, we're, we're better on the radio with me the too. We, hey, wait, that's the other wait, closet. I didn't know they the were game for that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't tell me that before the show. Right, exactly. We would have teed it right up. So anyway, um, this contest. Tell us about this contest. Uh, who are uh, what is it? Um, uh, I, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to hate me. Dick and Jane. It's not Dick and Jane. It's, uh, it's Nikki and Jack. Thank you. That is our um, core demographic at Spencer's. Right. They're 18 to 24, but that's just your um, average age. You don't. That's like a mindset too. So anybody of any age, um, like Nikki is our female and Jack's our male. Nice. So I assume you're Nikki. I'm Nikki. And you are. I would be Jack. Yes, okay, fair enough. Um, and so this contest was what specifically? Uh, the contest um, was about us writing an essay, 150 words or less, on how we, per se, would kick cancer's ass. Now, why would you want to go and do that? <laughs> uh, it was a passion of mine. Uh, you know, I've always, I've been, a, I'm an eight-year survivor myself of testicular cancer. I've um, contributed to some things in my community as far as, and just, sparked an interest in me, and I just sat down and just let it flow. And what inspired you to uh, do something enough to win this? We had um, lost several family members to cancer. We have a friend that has a double mastectomy, and it's affected us, like, in every way. And so uh, my whole community, we're a small town, and we raised more money than three of the larger cities in our state because our whole community gets involved in kicking cancer's ass, because we hate it. So we're going to have you read your award-winning essays live here on the air. So which one do you want to go first? Well, what was the uh, question they asked? The question was, how would you kick cancer's ass? Correct. The question was, how would you kick cancer's ass? All right, Devin, go ahead. Read your essay. My response was... Wait, um, we got to play some background music (laughs) here. we got to play some background music. <laughs> Same old background music. Nothing's ever new. All right, you ready? Yeah. We gotta pick All right. that. I have already kicked cancer's ass not once but twice. Yeah. Having right. been diagnosed with twice in 2003 with testicular cancer, I know firsthand how to fight this war. This cancer type tends to be underestimated. Prevention and self-awareness are crucial for young men. Your weapons of mass destruction would include support, education, and opening up and being outspoken about your disease. Surround yourself with people you love. And remember, they are fighting this fight alongside you. Educate yourself about your disease. This is your fight, so build up your ammo. Last and most important, open up. Tell people how you feel and share your story and your success, as it will only build your strength. Don't be shameful, for your words might touch and inspire others to join your army and help your fight in taking control and dominating and kicking cancer's ass. All right, Devin. Very nice. 
right. Let's give you something masculine to make him feel bad. Okay. <laughs> Again, yeah. Matthew, we need to change the music on this show. I'm um, taking control. All right, you're in By charge next of music week. now. Yes. Yeah, all right, you're up. All right. How would I get cancer's ass? I asked several of my female friends and family members when they had their last mammogram. Several of them hadn't had one in a very long time. Some never had one. Why would you not get this done if you know early detection is the easiest way to kick cancer's ass? I got several answers, but all of them included the following. One, it hurts. Two, it's humiliating and it hurts. And three, I heard they squished your boob and it hurts. So how would I kick cancer's ass? I would raise awareness about the importance of early detection. What's worse, a few minutes of pain and a topless moment or having an illness that could cause you to lose your breath or even your life? Until brilliant minds come up with a less painful way to detect breast cancer, here's my message, ladies. I love my boobies, so go ahead. Give them a squeeze. Angie. <laughs> what, what? Well, can I say something? Yes. Having lived through this, mammograms do hurt, but cancer hurts more. Yes. Exactly. Um, that's great, you guys. We should, uh, we should give some more props to Spencer's here. Like, let's talk about the fact that Spencer's operates over 600 stores in the U.S., Canada, and online they at do. spencersonline.com. Uh, <laughs> Come on, we gotta, we got to do something here. Okay. In 2008, Spencer's created the Boobies Make Me Smile Foundation in an effort to support and raise cancer awareness of young people via in-store campaigns, street teams, and partnership with organizations that support cancer initiatives, including... I'm too young for this. Hey, that's us. That's us. And the Young Survival Coalition. We know them, too. Uh, twice a year, customers are given the opportunity to donate two bucks for one bracelet with 100% of the proceeds going to nonprofit organizations. Uh, let's see. What else here? This other good stuff. Between the bracelets and T-shirts, because this past February, by the way, customers were given the added opportunity to purchase limited edition boobies make me smile T-shirts. Two dollars was also donated to I2Y and the YSC. And between the braces and the T-shirts, Spencer's raised one hundred thirty thousand dollars in donations. That's right. During their February campaign, they've ra- they've donated nearly eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars since two thousand and eight. That is true. That is true. And all of it's paying for my kids' college fund. <laughs> Anyway. So there you have it. Anyway, uh, it's great to have you guys here. Congratulations on your win. They've been fabulous guests. They have fabulous uh, accents from the South. Yeah, we accept your kind here. <laughs> we love New York. We've had a ball. And, well, uh, feel free to chime in. We're going to have a whole conversation for the next hour or so. Chime in when you see uh, feel necessary. As a club member, card-carrying club member, you are entitled to interrupt anybody at any time, especially her. <laughs> and that, that I will do. Is that me that you pointed to? I guess so. I guess the her would be me. Yes. <laughs> no, because I would never have anyone interrupt Kelly. No one puts Kelly in the corner. That's right. Well, anyway, let's introduce Kelly, our fabulous um, in-studio spotlight tonight. Oh, yeah. Kelly Madigan in our Survivor Spotlight. She was your typical Brainiac high school student, of course, when she was diagnosed one month before her 17th birthday with Hodgkin's lymphoma. At the time, she had ambitions of spending the summer visiting colleges across the country, but instead she opted to get a port that she named Otis and spent three months getting chemo. How about that? Otis. Overachiever that she is. Six years later, she's four months away from graduating with her master's in pediatric oncology nursing and flipping the bird to cancer every day. 
please welcome Kelly Madigan. Hello. Right next to me here. All right, so 17, diagnosed with pediatrics in pediatrics. Yes, technically. That must have sucked because everyone around you was six years old. Pretty much. Pretty much, yes, that was the case. (laughs) I like kids, but, you know. Well, you work with kids now. I do. But it's nice to not be one. Correct. Except right. for most of the time I act like one, but... Right. No, she's actually incredibly mature. You are surprisingly she mature. She's very bright and mature and overachieving. Yeah. Sometimes. And Sometimes. And has all these good things, like, anyway. All right, Kelly, I'm done buttering you up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So, uh, my wife's in the chat room. She says, hello. Oh, hey, Jen. But you are one of the few people that had the privilege of meeting my children at a very early on stage of their existence. That's very true. That is it was true. an awesome day. Yes, it was a cool day. I traveled day. long and hard to get there. <laughs> All the way from Long Island, right? No. No, you live in the West Village, don't you? All the way from you? downtown to Brooklyn. That's right. That's really right. far. Yeah, really far. <laughs> really far. Um, so I want to talk to you about what it was like to be 17 with cancer. Tonight's show is about navigation, which can mean different things to different people, but in, through the context of the young adult lens, it's it's really about... How were you able to find sense from panic? How were you able to navigate to who you are today through that? And what tools got you to that point in time? Obviously, you were diagnosed before we existed, but there were young adult organizations back then. I would be remiss to think that you were told about any of them, but you were at Hackensack, right? Treated? No, Vanderbilt. Winthrop. Winthrop. <laughs> Dana Farber. I'm associated with all of those. Who are you associated with all of those? Winthrop, Jude. Yeah. Winthrop is where I was treated. Okay, Winthrop in, in Long Island. Yes. Okay. Um, you I work at Hackensack now. Intern, yeah. Yes, okay. Yes. All right, good night, everyone. Yeah, we don't have to study up on the guest much. Yeah, now. keep it We've straight. only known Kelly for how long now? I'll give you my resume. Yeah. yeah. You study it. That's right. <laughs> so you were at Winthrop, 17 years old. Yes. Tell us what, go, what happened. Um, as far as kind of networking, navigation stuff, they did give me some stuff. We had, I do remember, um, you know, chemo brain. There's some some lags in my memory. But uh, there was like a makeup night where there was a bunch of other girls from my treatment center and our moms, and we all went. Um, it was like in the basement in a conference room at the hospital, and we went and had like a makeup night, and everybody, you know, t- taught us how to do our makeup without eyelashes and eyebrows and all that kind of stuff. So that was cool because that is something very realistic for a 17-year-old versus a 12-year-old. Sure. Um, and we were informed of that through the pediatric center. Um, but other than that, I think most of the stuff I found was through my own outreach. I was um, lucky enough to have a friend in town who kind of guided me through the process. She had already been through it and kind of taught me what chemo was going to be like and that kind of stuff. Um, but as far as navigating... So you had peer support. You found peer yeah. support as a happenstance. Yeah, but okay. that's more because I come from a town where everybody knows everybody and therefore everybody knows somebody with cancer and right. so everybody knew somebody and they were willing to put me in touch with them so that was more that kind of thing but no sort of like i2y you should get involved with this young adults you know there's other people like there like you out there kind of thing right so why otis <laughs> i have no idea because i am weird i don't know <laughs> And then when I uh, when I got the port taken out, I agreed to be part of a protocol research study. And so when I had the port taken out, again, because I'm weird and obviously ended up in nursing for a reason, I wanted to keep my port, um, which, for those of you who don't know, is totally inside your body. And I wanted it outside and in a jar on my shelf when they took it out. And the researchers would not allow it because they needed it for protocol and whatever. 
So my mom bought me a stuffed animal, which is, I think, a moose. It has antlers, so something in that family. Is it named Otis? How did you guess? It is, and I'm I am a loser, and smart. it's still in my bed to this day. I'm that smart. It's true. See how my brain went right there, Lisa? You could that learn was, something. That, that was brilliant. I know. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back and study this Ustream afterwards <laughs> for hours and hours so I can pick up on that. It's just, I, I'm so talented. That was amazing. I am so talented. So, Kelly, obviously then, you, as you alluded to, a direct connection here between your diagnosis and then wanting to go into nursing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I always wanted to do something with kids, for sure, but it probably would have ended up being somewhere along the musical line. More of like a music teacher or that kind of thing. Are you musical inclined? I used to be. What I'm like a marathon. I'm like a marathon runner that stopped running. Hmm? How do we not know this? Because I keep it secret. What what how, what are your music? You play the radio. Inclination. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the triangle. Yes. <laughs> um, I used to sing okay. pretty intensely. She snaps her fingers yeah. really well. <laughs> It's true. Used to sing, really. I did. I tried out for American Idol the whole night. You yards. did? What? Yeah. Get out. What secret. season? Did you try out in um, at Giant Stadium? No, I tried out at the Javits Center when I was what year? 16. 16. So, so the year before that, like so 2003. Like first. Was that season? I can't remember. Was that the Ruben Dutter season? season or I believe it was the Fantasia season, but I'm not sure because I stopped watching after I uh, didn't know, get got the axe. Uh, I used to cover okay. American Idol. It's funny I didn't bump into you online as you were trying to audition. What oh. song did you sing? Um, I think I sang "Love Will Keep Us Together." I was torn. Captain and Oh my goodness! It's true. That's amazing. I played air band to that in fourth grade. <laughs> anyway, um, I want. Can't you sing that for us now? A little bit? No. Really? I have a cold, and a dear friend There's of mine There's only like actually, hundreds of thousands of people I, And a dear friend of mine told me that I sound like crap today. Uh, okay. So, not my singing oh. voice, my speaking All right. voice. All right. So, so, w- so you, you've, you've forgiven yourself for not getting an American Idol. Yes, I have. But, you know, and, okay. seven years later, I'm right. over it. Okay. okay. Well, we'll all tell you you're really good if you'll sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe know. after the show, you guys can have a private. B-roll. We'll do the private. overtime with Bill Maher. Okay. <laughs> Depends on what song you pick as the background next time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> i got to get some new music, new music here. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So you're now getting your master's degree in oncology yeah. and nursing. So my brother actually one night was having a little slumber party on my floor and was asking me kind of serious questions about being sick and how I felt about it and what I was thinking and if I ever thought about it in a really serious way and that kind of stuff because my family all kind of took it as like a summer thing. Like, better to not have to shave your legs in the summer anyway so like who needs hair that kind of stuff and it was never a very serious (laughs) i need hair (laughs) you know yeah so hair can be good yeah yeah anyway so uh um so then one night he asked me if i'd ever thought about being a nurse and it was pretty much just a light bulb and that was that and luckily i had already applied to a school where they had a great master's nursing program, so made it kind of easy. And you're still young enough to um, try out for American Idol again. So now you can I go am. back as a nurse, <laughs> and you can rock one of our stupid cancer wristbands, like one of the contestants did, to, what, two years ago, Matthew? Yeah, I forget so, which last one. Last season? I forget that guy's we had, name. There was a young adult. Do you know this, Kelly? No, There was I a young don't. adult survivor. I who, only restarted watching last year. Yeah, I think I think it was, it was either last season or the season before. One of the um, guys who made I don't know if he he, had, he went to Hollywood I forget his name at the moment uh, and we he was wearing one of our wristbands on the show huh it was awesome well yeah. I'll wear a t-shirt and a wristband and I'll drop a oh yeah bomb, that's so right I'll really put it we'll out there plasty from head to toe great well all right so what's in store for you now you're gonna tonight's show obviously about nurse navigation yes I'm sure the lovely young women we'll be bringing out later will want to recruit you to their cult. <laughs> 
which I fully endorse because I think all oncology nurses need to appreciate navigation. I agree. In addition to the specialties, the subspecialty is critical, mm-hmm. especially for our age group, because you could easily know how to. Pediatrics is set. They've been institutionalized. Right. They have the standards of care. Everything is just A, B, C, D, E, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Older adults is different because you're dealing with multiple dynamics, but because they're 94% of everyone that gets cancer, odds are you'll probably do a little better with them. But it's the young adult group that we don't know what the hell we're doing, right. and they don't know what the hell to tell us. So these new nurses yeah. that adopt the navigation philosophy can appreciate the unique needs of an age group versus their disease state, mm-hmm. and I really want you to join them. <laughs> I'm in. That's it. Okay. Sign me up. All I'll right. send them my resume. Good. Becky and Sharon have called in earlier, so they're probably like drooling out of oh, new blood. <laughs> she's a good hire. She's a smart one, this girl. Yes, I'm she ready. Is, she is. I graduate yeah. in August. Hire me. All there right. she is. So, um, all right. Well, let's get to the news. You're, you're sticking around. You're not going anywhere. So chime I'm in here. when you need I'm to. Here. Kelly Madigan, everyone. Rock star. Nick Uners. You can never get it straight. No, you were a NICU nurse. I was, nurse. Yes. yes, but I identify as a pediatric oncologist. I know, but you were a NICU nurse when I met you. Yes, that yes. is correct. Okay, fantastic. Yes. All right, so let's uh, let's get to the news here. We'll cut, knock this out and get Sharon and Becky on the phone. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Kick us off, Maddie Z. All righty, during this part of the show, we announce... Uh, what we let? The news, Matthew, yeah. the news. That's what we're I did it last week, didn't I? During yeah. this part of the show, we announced, listeners, a whole bunch of newsworthy programs, event services that we don't want you missing out on, and they're all free, and they're all just for young adults with cancer. Things like conferences, happy hours, retreats, kayaking trips, mountain climbing, finance webinars, college scholarships, bar crawls, concerts, tweet-ups, support groups, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to read about, email info at stupidcancer.com. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.com, your one-stop challenge, one-stop shop in calendar for all of your stupid cancer events nationwide, even in Canada. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly don't want you missing out. We've got stupid cancer events coming up in Matthew. All right, tomorrow, April 5th in Ohio, April 7th in San Diego, April 8th in Buffalo, April 11th in Minneapolis. April 21st in New Orleans, April 30th in Los Angeles, tomorrow night the wrong way to hold film screening in New Jersey, and the OMG Summit on April 16th, 17th. That's right. Registration for the fourth annual OMG Summit has been extended to April 11th due to demand. That includes spots for the cancer-tastic cruise to nowhere. Sign up now and don't miss your chance to attend the conference of the year for young adults affected by stupid cancer. Visit omg2011.org today. All right, the Stupid Cancer Street Team brought to you by the Stupid Cancer Army and our friends at Fancor is a real social networking revolution that we've instilled. It's free, it's fun, it's easy. Uh, win great prizes, build our grassroots efforts, and meet thousands of authentic fans from around the globe. Go to stupidcancerarmy.com. The Stupid Cancer Forum. We didn't do the forums yet, Matthew, did you? Did no, you? I did the street team. Yeah, we're take, they're taking off like a lightning rod, and we don't want you to miss out on the awesome new online community we're building. Head on over to Stupid Cancer Forums, stupidcancerforums.com. Sign up with one click through Facebook and join over 450 survivors, caregivers, and providers 
who are making us think about stupid cancer, and there's amazing things that are going on in no, our world. No, I'm blown away by yeah, it. It's just totally a life of its own. A life yeah. of its own. All right, tomorrow night, every Tuesday, our partners at the Leukemia and Nymphoma Society, as I learned to speak, present the YA Connect program, a free interactive webcast supporting young adults affected by all cancers. Yes, it is not just for blood cancers anymore. All cancers. LLS.org slash YA Connect. And as always, be sure to register, register yourself with Immerman Angels, our partner in one-on-one peer matching at ImmermanAngels.org. Check out the calendar for First Descents as well, the premier outdoor adventure organization for young adults with cancer, online at FirstDescents.com. They host dozens of retreats and excursions each year. And that, Matthew, is your, your stupid, stupid cancer, cancer news. news. Oh, my God. That sounds so depressing. You know, we, we should do one more thing before we get to our fabulous Central nurse, casting. nurse navigator. Central casting. Central casting, this, indeed. The, the big C on uh, Showtime? Showtime. I sent this in today. Yes. Oh, you did? I think they'll take me. Did I hope they take Kelly, you. Kelly Madigan? <laughs> I did. Excellent. Wait, American Idol and the big C. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All uh, right. This is big news. Go ahead. No, All right. I got it. Yes. Lisa, all, all you. All right. Central Casting is seeking cancer survivors and individuals living with cancers for non-speaking background roles on the Showtime series, The Big C. Now, they're seeking candidates of all ages and ethnicities to participate in filming. All participants will be paid, so you can make a few extra bucks. The series currently films in Stamford, Connecticut, just oh, a little over an hour outside of New York City. And you can get the Metro North train right up there. And we'll continue production through mid-June 2011. So if you're interested or know any cancer, anybody, any of our cancer peeps who are interested, who want to participate, email the big C extras, that's plural, the big C extras at gmail.com. Include photos of yourself or a photo of yourself and your contact information. And uh, they look forward to hearing from you. And you might be in the background on the big scene. It would be good to show them that That's there are be, young adults, I know. cancer survivors out there. It would be great to have some of our... Well, I commend them for being authentic. Show. They want to yeah. be authentic. They want to have real people we in the background. We love that we had the executive producer and creator on our, yep. on our show, Darlene Hunt. Big fan of hers. Anyway, there you go. Alrighty, folks. Now it is time for the big guns. <laughs> Rebecca Troop. Is the oncology nurse navigator at Suburban Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland. She is certified in oncology nursing by the ONS, which is the Oncology Nursing Society, and in breast cancer patient navigation by the National something, the NCBC. She'll tell us what that is. Thank you for acronyms. Ms. Troop is the vice president and co-founder of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators. She is joined by the Tour de Force, that is Sharon Franz, president and co-founder of the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators. A non-profit 501c3 organization, she's a nurse with over 20 years' experience caring for persons with cancer and AIDS. Sharon is an advocate for all individuals facing cancer, advocating and empowering individuals through the cancer continuum. Please welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show returning champion, Sharon Franz and Becky Troop. Welcome. Hi. Ladies. Welcome. welcome. Two of our favorite guests. <laughs> I, Sharon, first and foremost, I have to tell you that Kenny wanted me to relay a note that he loved your date uh, with him in San Francisco. Whoa. Thank you for entertaining him. Is Aaron him. listening? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Hello. I, I appreciate anyone that can entertain Kenny more than I can. So. Silence. Yes. Bitter, utter silence. Uh, are they with us? I think so. I oh. don't think we, I think we lost them. Is that Sharon? I'm here. They're okay. here. <laughs> oh, stunned. Stun, oh, my mentioned. God. You you made Sharon speechless. 
That's <laughs> no, we, 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 we were just talking about a date with Kenny, and then all of a sudden, it was, it was, we thought the line went dead. Yeah, it, it was, was that a cab good, ride it? back. That was the the sealer of the date. We had Taco a great Tuesday time. or Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. We had a wonderful time, and we got to catch up, talk about you know what are one of our favorite subjects, which is cancer, and <laughs> you know, and cure, and you know, navigation, and tacos, and margaritas. We had a really great time. Again with the tequila. Yes, it's the second mention tonight. We really right need on a, that. We need a right liquor, liquor cabin under yeah. my desk right now. Yeah, yeah. Can't well, you know, the food. only time I can get together with um, <laughs> Not old you guys because you're so busy is that I have to follow you. I'm like, you know, you were talking about a cult. I mean, we have to follow you guys around in order to get some of your time. No, but I mean, I want to hear the, the tell me the, the National um, Association of Oncology Nurse Navigators. This is a brand new organization, right? Yeah, it's the National Coalition. National Coalition, sorry. Yeah. This is yeah, brand we're new. we're years old as of January 2008, and we were founded on the principle that every patient should have someone to help them navigate through the cancer continuum, regardless if they where they were, what their resources were, what their age was, and um, whatever and where they were in their disease process, that everyone should have someone, and it should be a nurse. So, of course, that begets the question. There are already patient navigators out there. How do you make the distinction between a nurse navigator and a patient navigator, obviously notwithstanding the RN degree? Well, the patient navigator generally is a layperson. And one of the things we are trying to do um, at NCON is try to help People understand who's who in in the in the party that you know is multiple physicians and a whole multidisciplinary team, um, so that nurse navigators identify themselves as an oncology nurse navigator because there are more things we can do um, than a lay navigator. So we're not opposed to a patient having a lay navigator. We think you should have both. We should have, have someone that can take on the clinical questions and navigate you through your um, treatment process, um, survivorship, whatever it is, but also someone that can help you with the transportation, financial, child care, where to find a support group. And we can do that as nurses, but if we have someone, you know, we can see a lot more patients and care for more people if we can work together as a team. So why don't you guys lay out more specifically so it's real clear for the folks out there what exactly you can do as nurse navigators that's different from somebody else who would help navigate a patient? Well, we can speak to them about their their treatment and treatment options. We can do um, uh, triage for psychosocial issues. Um, I think that's the biggest part is that, you know, because of our nursing training, we come with a multitude of, of skills that, that we can offer. So we have m- multiple layers um, of understanding of a person going through this process and also know how to make assessments and, and get them to the right people if need be. And yeah, we you were talking about sorry. earlier about Otis and like Otis and Metaport. A layperson would not be able to talk to the patient or the person with cancer about what is your Metaport, what what type supports are there, you know, what are they used for, how would you access them, why do I need one, should I get rid of one, do, is, do I have a problem with my port? And navigators as clinical nurses, you know, we are equipped to do that. Do the, do, does being a nurse and being a nurse navigator, are they mutually exclusive or do you have to be one or the other? 
No, they're not. I mean, if you're a nurse navigator, then that's what you're doing. You're navigating patients. If you're a bedside oncology nurse, you're taking care of patients at the bedside. Um, if you're a labor and delivery nurse, right, you're delivering babies. So they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, that, you know, you're a nurse always. Um, one of the beautiful things about being a nurse is that you can change what it is you're doing. Yeah. I think we find, too, Matthew um, and Lisa, that nurses that go into oncology are a special kind of nurse that, you know, have taken an interest in um oncology sometimes for personal reasons or that you know they really want to make a difference and then they find that there are a lot of things that patients need in addition to the clinical and so they take on some of these like facts finding um, solution um, searching troubleshooting problems that patients are running into whether it's structural or barriers to care and that person tends to kind of lean towards the role of the oncology nurse navigator so you kind of choose the oncology nurse navigator. Typically, nurses don't go out saying, "Oh, I want to be a navigator." It's they choose oncology, and then they then they realize that there's so much more that needs to be done. As a matter of fact, I had a nursing instructor up in our surgery center the other day who had never heard of oncology nurse navigation, and was amazed by this and thought that this is something that the students should know is out there as as an option for a career. Yeah. Especially, you know, I mean, you know, you were talking earlier in the program about young adults, and um, I mean, the the challenges that you guys that as young adults have versus someone that's maybe my age, they're different. I mean, you're trying to get back active into your social life, you know. Um, but Sharon, and, you're only thirty nine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm only thirty nine. That's why Kenny and I get along so well. So, <laughs> but. But, you know, I mean, you have to look at, you know, when we take on a patient as as a navigator, we look at the patient's whole life. We don't look at where the patient is today. We look at where they were, where they are, and where they're going with their life. And kind of, you know, like your story is, you know, what is it that you want to achieve? And we, we try to really take care of the whole person. And I think that's the difference between the oncology nurse navigator and the oncology nurse. Oncology nurses do that, but we're actually equipped to do that all the time. You know, we joked last time and again as we were sort of promoting the show this week talking about how you guys are kind of pissed off in a good way, um, <laughs> in, especially in terms of kind of dealing with doctors who kind of go through that story that we hear again and again where they don't immediately get the diagnosis for the young adult because they think it's they're too young for it. Uh, so tell us again about how you sort of interact with doctors and kind of get them on board specifically in terms of dealing with young adult cancer. Well, the biggest thing is to to develop a good relationship with them and let them see you do your thing. And then you can start sharing some of um, what what you know and what, what you've seen with them. And they, they, I don't know, I have found that they really do listen. I do predominantly breast cancer patient navigation or oncology nurse navigation. And, um, you know, one of my, it's a big issue for young women, you know, oh, well, you're too young, that lump can't, couldn't be anything, let's wait, you know, another month, or we'll we'll reevaluate it in, in six months or something like that. And, you know, meanwhile, they've got something really ugly going on there. And, um, you know, my docs have um, really come to hear that, um, you know, they should work this up. Yeah, I think well, it's and just I think- being out there and talking to them. 
Well, I think, too, you know, you were talking about, you know, someone, let's say, is 22 years old or 18, 18, 22 years old, and, you know, I've had oncologists and and surgeons, you know, that they're like, they want the patient to be there at 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning, when, in fact, you know, this college student doesn't get up until 10 o'clock, you know, because they've missed first class, and 10 o'clock is a better time or noon would be a better time. Just talking to them and say, you know, remember, this, this person has a life. You know, before they had cancer, they had a life, and they're going to continue to have a life, and we need to look at their life in ways, you know, and sometimes I think it's just building a relationship and bringing them back to these are people, you know, and they're they're, they're people with different, um, you know, they, they don't live like you do today. You know, they live like, you know, um, young people that want to um, get out there and actually experience things they haven't experienced. So I think we do a lot with um, physicians. It's a lot of education. That's great, obviously, to be sensitive to their concerns like that. We're having some questions that are coming in uh, fast and furiously from the chat room here. And one is the basic one that we keep coming back to. How do you find a navigator in your health care f- facility? Well, you can go to MCON's website, and we do have a map there. Um, and you can look and see if there's a navigator in your health um, care facility. But my suggestion to people is just ask. You know, just keep asking because it's a growing profession. More and more centers have them, but um, our marketing isn't always the best. So sometimes there's somebody there, but sometimes even the physicians don't know it. Right. And you can always email or call call us, and we'll help you find a navigator. That's one of the things we do. It's a free service to patients and families. Uh, we don't have to be taking care of you. We don't even have to be in your state. But if you call or email us, at, um, you can email at info at org, or you can also go on to the, um, the forums, the Stupid Cancer Forums, and send out a message, and, um, you know, we'll, you know we'll, we'll locate someone for you in your area. And if there's not someone in your area, we'll try to help navigate you ourselves. So here's another question. Um, if you're already a pediatric oncology nurse, Yep. What tips do you have on how to get your cancer center to create a nurse navigator position uh, for, for in general or for AYA? I think uh, we were just talking about this yep. the other day, actually. And, you know, you have to show, it's just like any business, you have to show the the organization that there is benefit in creating this and that there's need in, in um, need for it and how it's going to benefit the bottom line, you know, how is it going to benefit the organization? And, and one of the ways we tell people to do that is that it is going to keep patients in that system. I mean, and that's what administrators want to hear. You know, that's not what, what we're about. We're not about the, the you know, the bottom line, the money. But um, navigators do help increase income in institutions because patients are happy to have them. And if they can go to you know, suburban hospital and get an oncology nurse navigator and down the street here at another hospital they cannot, they're probably going to stay, you know, at the other hospital system. You know, I always tell people, too, um, voice. I mean, send, you know, write a letter, call, you know, contact whoever at your hospital. You know, when you get your patient satisfaction or any survey or any time there's a comment box put, you know, I had difficulty, um navigating through your hospital system, whether it was scheduling, whether it was your phone line, whether it was department, whether it was getting a test result, you know, I mean, you know, advocate for yourself. 
And um, also, if you contact us, um, you know, we'll try and contact the um, the facility and find out if they're looking to get a navigator. It's one of the things on the American College of Surgeons, um, their mandate this year is that every facility, in order to get their accreditation as a cancer center, will have a patient navigator. And right. so we'd be happy to help to, you know, we'll we'll advocate and empower patients to, you know, to work with us to do that. Well, let's ask the aspiring young pediatric oncology nurse here, four months away from her degree. Kelly what, Madigan. What are your thoughts on the value of going through nursing school and then building a subspecialty like navigation? Um, can you repeat the beginning of the question? Yes. Uh, let's <laughs> turn it over to Kelly Madigan, our... <laughs> As an aspiring, That's a loaded question. Yeah. My thoughts on the value, and then I lost it. Uh, like uh, of building a subspecialty into oncology nursing. Is it not enough to already be an oncology nurse to toss in it the subspecialty of navigation? Um, well, from my experience, uh, I was kind of interested in hearing more about it for sure because in an advanced practice nursing program, I kind of feel like our professors at least try to incorporate a lot of the things that they're aspiring to provide to patients. I feel like a lot of that is is ingrained in our education. So I feel like um, advanced practice nurses are working, at least attempting, to try and provide the things that nurse navigators are providing. So I think that, you know, it's kind of maybe a lack in what's actually being provided, but I think there is at least a goal for advanced practice nurses, clinical nurse specialists, and nurse practitioners to be providing that kind of navigation in, you know, in collaboration with social workers and everybody else, but I think it's extremely important to have that one person that kind of combines all the things and can maybe delegate to the right person if need be, instead of it being like, well, maybe that's a social work issue, maybe that's your clinical nurse specialist issue, maybe that's a nurse practitioner issue, maybe that's something you should ask the doctor, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. having that one person that can answer all of it for you is extremely important. Uh, Are they offering, you mentioned that part of the curriculum in getting a nursing degree, Sharon and Becky, can you weigh in on this? What is there a need for more dialogue or more literacy about the need for navigation within the the general practicum or curriculum of becoming a nurse? I've yeah. never even heard of it, so I think that could that answer. would be yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be <laughs> answer. And it, yeah. you know, right. It, yeah, Becky and absolutely. I, we talk. Yeah, well, we talk to nur- Well, we not only the nurses, but practice administrators, cancer directors, uh, facilities, uh, cancer pro all over the United States, and. That is a huge deficit that they don't even they they've not ever heard of the concept, and they have patients, for example, calling and asking for it, and they're not even sure what it is. And yes, it is. It's a big deficit. And you know, Kelly, I think Kelly, right, Madigan? Yes. Yeah. Kel- yep. I mean, and Kelly's right. You know that nurses, um, in theory, get the basics of, you know, that's part of our training to take right. care of patients, to navigate them, and work with social workers and identify the needs. But what happens many times is is because of the patient load we have, we're not allowed to actually do some of the things that the patients really need that is outside of taking care of them while they're in front of us. And that's where navigation is sprung from. And, Kelly, if that person can also sing Love Will Keep Us Together, it's <laughs> only if it can be all the better. Only if it can be a duet. Let me, turn, let me ask Devin. Well, it won't be with Sharon. It will be with Becky. Devin, how many years ago were you treated? Oh, no. 2003? Yeah, eight years ago. Did, were you given any sort of navigation? You know, Did no, anyone coach you through any of the insurance or nothing? There was. I had a brief appointment, maybe 30 minutes with a social worker, and that was it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So now you're going to go back to that place and tell them Absolutely. to go kiss your ass. 
Absolutely. <laughs> that they needed yeah, their there, navigator. There was no guidance whatsoever. It was basically, you know, just I figured it out on my own. Right. Which is sad. I mean, it, it is. It is. No, and I think you, one like, of the things is, Matthew and Lisa, you know, everybody, that you you got to remember is the thing with navigation that's so different than maybe the oncology nurse that's navigating or the social worker, we get engaged with the patient at the beginning, hopefully, of the cancer diagnosis. We don't ever discharge the patient. Right. So we're always there for the patient each step of the way, chemo, radiation, surgery, survivorship, uh, you know, transition, recurrence, and it's not a different person. So you're not your your handoff is is not it doesn't appear to be that you're having those gaps. That's right. the difference. I have been at the bedside, unfortunately, of many of my patients that I knew from the beginning of their you know when they were first diagnosed to the end of their life. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, and and tell us, one of you mentioned earlier, uh, Becky and Sharon. I'm I'm sorry, I, I I don't remember which one, but that often this is a line of work that you get into because you have some sort of personal connection to it. Uh, would you each care to discuss what that personal connection was? Um, this, um, for me, it was. It seemed a natural transition. I have been in as a, a women's health care. Um, nurse my whole nursing career and even before I was um, I graduated from nursing school I did women's health care but then I had a friend of mine who was 26 years old who I worked with in labor and delivery and um, she was um, she had just had her baby and she was breastfeeding and she had breast cancer but everyone thought she had mastitis and she was treated and treated and treated with antibiotics and finally someone decided well maybe we should do a biopsy and by then, you know, she had had metastatic disease, and, you know, she lived five years, but, you know, it really, it really struck me how we didn't, we didn't take good care of her. I mean, we took good care of her, but, you know, we, it took a while to get her diagnosis just because of her age, really. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, well, it can't possibly be that, and you're nursing, it's got to be mastitis, and um, my interest in cancer was born there with my friend Heidi. Yeah. I think almost every young person that I know has, they didn't get diagnosed until it was almost too late because of their age. And I, that was like the main reason. They had thought it was some other kind of ailment other than it couldn't be, you know, the big C word because they were not of the right age right. to have cancer. Yeah. Well, that's all too common. We yeah. That's the lens of the entire foundation of this organization is that Young adults are most likely to get diagnosed at stage four because doctors say, oh, you're too young for cancer. You're, you're just, that cancer doesn't happen to people like you. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to disappoint you. So, yeah. I mean, and Spencer's being like the, the, the human trafficking nexus of our generation, you know, is a perfect conduit toward this message about what can you do and to be aware i mean we're a very savvy generation we we want to know what's going on we are the ones that just inherently ask questions it wouldn't surprise me if someone's like who can help me with this and they say no then no 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 you need somebody to help me with this let this be crowdsourced demand for nurse navigators i guess one more question here is if you are from from the uh, chat room if you are already an oncology nurse how do you become a navigator <laughs> well, uh, the, the first thing you should do is find out if your cancer program is uh, 
is has an accreditation with the um, Cancer Commission, American College of Surgeons, because if they do, they're going to be hiring one, and they're going to need a navigator, and um, there would be a positioning opening very soon. The second thing is is to start um, looking at your cancer program and what you have and where you have gaps in your program and put together a little um, a paper, you know, a couple paragraph as to where you found working as an oncology nurse there are gaps and barriers to care in the patients that you've taken care of, and maybe that's your neighbors, the patients in front of you, or patients you've met in the hallway or in the parking lot or at the, um, the check-in desk, and just put those experiences in there and say, you know, we could really benefit from someone like an oncology nurse navigator to get these patients successfully through their treatment into survivorship. That's what I would recommend, the first thing that, that nurses do. And it's not – there are some programs out there that, that you can take to become, you know, a certified nurse uh, navigator. I'm a breast patient navi- – uh, certified breast patient navigator through the National Consortium of Breast Centers. But I was a navigator for years before I got that certification. I yeah. think um, it's, a, it's a special personality to, to do it as well. Not just, I think, that's my feeling on the matter, that um, it's just like all different varieties of nursing. You know, pediatrics is not for everybody. Um, You know, oncology nursing isn't for everybody. Um, Navigation isn't isn't either. And um, I see in many job descriptions for navigators that they all have to be masters prepared, and that's fantastic. But sometimes, you know, how many letters you have behind your name is not necessarily uh, mean that you can do the job well. Yeah. I have to ask you guys, um, how do you, as, as, as nurses who deal uh, with so many oncology patients, and I, I actually asked this of my own oncologist um, who told me that she can't go to funerals when patients die because it's just, she said, I would be ineffective in my, at my job. I can't get too close to it. Uh, it would be too difficult. Um, how do you both deal with that in terms of keeping that sort of emotional distance when you have to? Because I imagine uh, it can be very emotionally taxing to deal with uh, oncology patients. That would be I mean, I don't tequila know on Taco Tuesday. No, God, there you go. <laughs> no, yeah, I mentioned I, number I, three. I, yeah, tequila. You know, really, you know um, we just talk to each other, you know. It's, yeah. it's it's just like any it's like anything, and I do go to funerals. I do um, too. Yeah. I find them helpful for me to say yeah. my goodbyes. You know, if I can go, I can't always go, but um, you just talk to to your colleagues, you know, and you or or your you know your friends and and your significant significant others, and and you just share. You know, but you know, I mean, for myself, I know that, you know, I've done something really good for that person, and I I feel good. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we don't go into it that we maybe, you know, we're hopeful we can change outcomes, but many times it's we change the the moment and the time that we're with the patient and improve their quality of the life that they have. And, um, you know, I don't look at it as a, I always look at it as a way of growth for both of us the patient and for myself and you know we just i mean it's not something that you you know it's not for the faint of heart but it's um it's something that you take on because you really care and you want you you know you feel like you can make a difference in someone's life i mean i don't look at it i mean i can go to the funerals because to me it's part of their life 
you know, it's a chapter in their life. Does the um, obviously the, the the general philosophy of nurse navigation means progress? It's progress from where we've been, where we're going, where we're headed. But do you find that the adoption of the concept of navigation is is a, a barrier at some institutions where they don't necessarily think it's it's um, valuable? They already have enough stuff, or you really think it's up to the patients to demand it, and the hospital will follow? I think it's for patients to demand it and the hospitals will follow. I agree. Uh, the hospitals are far behind, you know, in in that. Um, the one thing is, is because we don't charge for our services as patient, you know, as navigators, as nurse navigators, you can't you can't charge for your service. Advanced practice nurses can charge for the contact they have with patients in in some, you know, at some levels. But as far as most of the navigation services we offer are educational type services and are not, um, as RNs, are not billable services. So administrators shy away from doing that. But um, administration, I think, finds when patients request it, there's a, a value add to their programs for the patient satisfaction and the out-migration decreases. So I think getting the patients, like, I mean, I, I would love to see a huge movement of patients calling for this. Yeah. Amen. Anybody out there listening? Yeah, Taco Tuesday, everybody. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. <laughs> That's going to be a new link, Taco Tuesday. I thought that Taco Tuesday was, you know, some dirty-minded reference. Oh, and God. I said the share, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Taco Tuesday, what are you talking about? Becky, we can't take you anywhere. <laughs> it's, it's Monday. That's we could have Margarita it's Monday. It's the years and yeah. years I spent. Well, and, you know, the thing is, you know, we're going to have our, I mean, I don't, not to do a plug for us, but I'm going to, um, we're going to do our third conference in San Diego, and, you know, when we look at navigation, we look at areas that navigation, for example, in California has really taken off. They're always more progressive than the East Coast starts something, and then California decides they're going to own it. And so, we, you know, we're going to go to the West Coast, and we really want to um, kind of just take over the country. We want patients to know that this is a service that they should have. They, they shouldn't have to wonder if they're going to be able to find a service or if they're going to have trouble you know, getting an appointment or finding out the side effects or if there's a clinical trial or if oncofertility is an option. They should have someone at their fingertips like the navigator that can be there for them. And we want uh, people to recognize that. We have one more question from the crowd before we have to wrap tonight. This has been a very important conversation. And let's not let's predicate this by saying that you guys are going to be at the OMG Summit discussing this very topic I in know. two weeks. Yay. Hundreds and hundreds of survivors. And it will be live streamed over the web, so wear makeup. Less than two weeks. Less than two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, they, they probably don't need makeup, but just in case you uh, wanted to. No, no they, they don't need is, makeup. Is, why do they get the heads up and I don't? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Kelly had to be the guinea pig. Yeah. What? No makeup? When she showed up tonight. So, yeah. Sharon and Becky. So here's your final question. Do you see uh, a place for lay navigators to interface with oncology nurse navigators, or is this a replacement for them? No. No. I don't, no, not at all. I mean, I would love to have a patient or, you know, lay navigator at my facility. I think they're critically important, and um, that that would be the gold standard, to have a patient navigator and an oncology nurse navigator serving our, our cancer community. Ditto. I agree. And, and that's the, that's the whole uh Patients deserve both, and we work in parallel. We Patients deserve to have both, and, yes, we should ha- work together. Social workers, nurses, and the patient navigators should work together. 
Excellent. Well, we can't wait to see you guys soon in less than two weeks. It'll be a great panel, and uh, we've got a lot of folks coming. They can press the flesh with the two of you live and in person. I like that expression. Did you make that up? I know you didn't. No, I, 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 I did. Sure I did. Yeah, sure. Okay. Never heard it before. Exciting. It well, is, you guys cool. rock. We'll see you in New York in a week and a half. Yeah. That gulp a week and a half. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. So you take care, safe travels, and be well. Good luck. All right. Thanks so much, Thank you guys. Thank you so much. All right. Nice to you. Becky Troop and Friends from the National, read it, the National, the National Coalition, Coalition of Oncology Nurse of Navigators. Otherwise known as NCON, and NCON. their website is NCON.org. Yes, NCON.org. A good show. It's a good show. Next next year we're going to strive to have a hair and makeup people. We'll have the okay. budget for that. Well, yes. Kelly, well, I, I have she, a friend of mine. She, uh, you guys met Amanda once. If she's listening, shout out to Amanda who had a makeup company in middle school called well, Amanda Beauty. So maybe she'd be willing. A makeup <laughs> in middle school. in middle school. She's that talented. I'm oh my goodness! Tired of these overachievers. I say that all the yeah. time. You all people make us look really bad. Yeah. It was in her bedroom with, like, makeup sheets from Sephora. I mean, it wasn't real. Did you have the big Barbie head, though? <laughs> yeah. Or the Brooke Shields head? Well, that's our... That's our She'd that's kill our, me if she's listening that's to our this. That's right our lofty fundraising yes. goal is for next season. Hair and makeup for the radio show. And, well, and, not and, hair and, for me, but and maybe and makeup. And OMG Summit. Yeah. We'll have hair and makeup people. Yeah. All right. Uh, Devin, Angie? Thanks again Did for having me. being here? It was an honor being here. Was this better than the Young Survival Coalition? <laughs> <laughs> I think anything that reaches out to young people is just as, as good as the next. I, no, I, but really, was it better than the Young Survival <laughs> Coalition? I'll give you three, to- three thumbs instead of two. Okay, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. Well, I want to thank you guys, too, for being here, for reading your essays on the year. Congratulations on winning uh, Man and Woman of the Year for Spencer's. And uh, have a great time. We we if you I know we can't really say this but we will ship you extra crap to give away at your stores if you want them, <laughs> um, but we love what you guys do. We're thrilled with our relationship with Spencer's, and uh, I can't wait to keep working with you guys. Thank you, do you guys good stuff. so much. We can't ship you tequila otherwise. We no, won't. no, that would Damn be bad. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stupid cancer tequila. Another another, another something to strive <laughs> for as part of the budget. Where's yeah. The, where's the tequila music? Yeah. yeah how do you write a grant tequila. to? Uh, we need to write a grant to right. doers. The, the Pee Wee Herman song. Exactly. Yeah. No, the only Pee Wee Herman I have is this. <laughs> that works. That never gets old. No, it never gets old. We'll think of tequila every time we hear it now. All righty. Yeah. All righty. Well, now it's time for our closing sequence as we say goodnight. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show, our 178th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Right, I'd like to thank our guests. From Spencer's, Devin Carden and Angie Horton, our special live in-studio guests, Survivor Spotlight, Kelly Madigan, James Manning, as always, Manning the Fort, Sharon Franz and Becky Troop from the National Coalition of Oncology Nurse Navigators. Come back and join us next week when we will do our final pre-OMG Summit radio show, Employment, Legal, and Insurance. Employment, Legal, and Insurance, Matthew, doesn't really go to hang together. Issues. 
employment, legal, and insurance issues. Yes. Joanna Morales, who is the Director of Disability Rights uh, Legal Center at the Cancer Legal Resource Center. Our good friend Rebecca Nellis, who's the Director of Programs at Cancer and Careers. They're both our good friends. And our last good friend, survivor in the Survivor Spotlight, is Adele Ramos. She's a young adult survivor of osteosarcoma, and she's a poet and a spoken word artist. She's a great show. And a documentary film. And she's in our documentary yep. film. All right, folks, if you've missed any of our past shows, download them all for free on iTunes at itunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives anytime at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. Live from the Kimbo Deck, on behalf of Lisa Berner, myself, and our whole team here at Lights Hawaii. And Amanda Freeman. And Amanda Freeman. Have a great week, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.